The Graphic Histories Podcast. Good evening and welcome to the Graphic Histories Podcast. My name is Andre Mayette and I'm your host and big thanks to Ookla the Mock for our theme song. I'm not 100% sure why I said good evening. You could be listening to this in the morning. You could be listening to this in the afternoon. Who knows when you're listening to this? It very likely may not be the evening and I will assume as such. (laughs) How was your Halloween? I hope it was good. Mine was fantastic. I hung around with a friend and my wife and we just watched horror movies and it was great. Uh, we each kind of picked one we wanted to watch. We had a few, lot of options available. My wife picked Arachnophobia, which was the first time re-watching for me since my early childhood days when I had first seen it, probably around the time it first came out, which was a treat. It's, it's a fun movie. There's a fun little kind of family-friendly horror movie, I would say. There's nothing too dark or twisted in it. Just uh, some good creature stuff, some fun fun little little work there. Um, I had picked my one of my favorite films, and certainly one of my favorite horror films, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. I'm a big John Carpenter fan. That movie is fantastic. It's been a while since I watched it, so I really felt like rewatching it, and man, oh man, was it fun. And my friend Daniel picked The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, which is an old Italian zombie movie from the 70s, I believe, which was fun, really fun, and uh, it kind of has a cult classic status, I think just because it was... Um, a fairly uh, competent zombie movie from that time period. Like, it's not... There's some pretty cool effects. There's some interest, there's some good world building, I guess. The explanation for the zombies is fine. It all works really well, I think, just because there was so much weird, clunky stuff coming from Italy at that time that the fact that this was so well done that it kind of elevated it to a bigger status. But I really enjoyed it and definitely think it deserves to be where it is in the zombie history canon. But I hope you got to watch a good, fun horror movie. Maybe a Friday the 13th, maybe a Neighbor on Elm Street, a Halloween movie, perhaps. As awful as that, as that is to watch on October 31st. Um, but I certainly hope you got to do something spooky. Um, as far as we had one, one set of trick-or-treaters, two children, which are my neighbors. Uh, my neighbor's uh, grandkids, they popped over, so that was kind of fun. But those are the only kids we got, so what I have left is a mountain of candy. A mountain of candy that I will sit in my cupboard that I will pick away at eating one piece maybe once a week for the next 17 years to get rid of it. Uh, maybe by next Halloween COVID will elapse. A uh, hundred more kids will move into the neighborhood and I'll have lots of extra stuff to give out. I don't know if the candy expires. Probably does. I think giving it out a year later may not be a good idea so I'll have to revise that when it, when it pops up. Uh, today's episode of the Graphic Histories Podcast is focused on a personal favorite of mine, Animal Man. Now, Animal Man is a long-standing character created long ago uh, in DC Comics, uh, sort of revitalized by Grant Morrison when he added it. Well, I don't believe it was part of the vertical line initially. I think it kind of became part of it. And if it wasn't, 
I don't think it was initially. I believe that Vertigo kind of adopted it under their label later because it was kind of a darker tone for a regular universe comic, so they kind of lumped it into Vertigo. However, it was in the main DC Universe canon and certainly dealt with some really interesting and dark themes for the time, a lot of them based around animal rights, um, animal experimentation, vegetarianism, um, and, and the... Uh, hunting of endangered species, the oceans, and sort of really pointing, uh, shedding a light on how horrible as a species us humans are to the environment and to the animals that dwell within it, really putting Buddy Baker at the focus of these stories, but, uh, you know, using him as a sort of a tool to to uh, to draw attention towards some of these things going on in the world. And uh, man, oh man, when I first read it, it really stuck with me. I was a big animal lover, so obviously that part of it was really there. But then the rest of it came with all these sort of eye-opening stories. And then as the series went on, it began to play with narrative, began to play with the form itself by having Baker, you know, in a drug-induced sort of hysteria, see the reader reading the comic right within, and then eventually going on to meet the writer himself, Grant Morrison, who, uh, and they have a bit of a heart-to-heart where Morrison explains why he put him through the hell he did in the story. I mean, all that will be in, in the episode when we talk about the full history of Animal Man, but that's just some things that really sort of played with comic books and really changed the way you viewed them at a period, kind of making us part of it, but also outside of it. And I don't know, it's just genius. Graham Morrison is one of my favorite comic writers. He may be my favorite comic writer. If I had to put a list together, he probably would be at the top. Uh, but man, oh man, do I love his stuff. So uh, Animal Man is one of his seminal works, and I thought I definitely want to do that on the show. So here we are. Uh, so without much further ado, I think we should jump right into the episode. This is episode number 28, Buddy Baker, The Animal Man. Buddy Baker gained animal powers when he encountered a spaceship that blew up, infusing him with radiation. He used his powers to fight crime and ward off alien attackers. Baker's post-crisis origin was slightly altered, but it retained the essence of the original. While hunting as a teenager, he encountered a crashed spaceship that apparently endowed him with his abilities. These slight discrepancies between the two stories were addressed as pre-crisis and post-crisis origins, and were acknowledged in story with the original Buddy Baker appearing and not wishing to be written out of existence. After an apparently unsuccessful stint as a superhero, followed by a hiatus where he utilized his powers to work as a film stuntman, Baker decided to restart and make a career out of it after being inspired by the headline-making Justice League International. This is where his self-titled series begins. He is married to his high school sweetheart, Ellen, a storyboard artist and later an illustrator of children's books. They have two children, Cliff and Maxine, who are a preteen and toddler, respectively, when the series starts. They live in a suburban area outside of San Diego. Through the series, Animal Man becomes a man of great compassion towards all creatures, an ardent animal rights activist, an environmentalist, and a vegetarian. Later, he finds his link to the morphogenic field has been passed on to his daughter, Maxine, who is also connected to the animal kingdom. Although he wears a mask, he goes to no great lengths to conceal his true identity. A jacket was added to Animal Man's costume so he could have pockets and a place to put his keys as well as notes from his wife. However, this jacket was denim and not leather, as it appears in the comics, but he specifically discusses that he will not wear leather out of moral considerations. At an early aspect of the character was his desire for fame, and is manifested by his wish to be in the Justice League. He is initially driven by a desire for the publicity from interviews and public appearances, more than any altruistic impulse. But he joins the newly formed Justice League Europe and bonds with Dimitri of the Rocket Reds over the shared experiences of being a father. However, he soon resigns due to tragic events taking place later in his own series. 
After a brief period of reconditioning and exploration of his limits, Baker's first work is a job from Star Labs, investigating a break-in at an animal testing facility. He traced it to the hero Bowana Beast, whom he is able to befriend and aid. The conditions he witnesses at the testing facilities compel him to become a vegetarian, a sudden decision that briefly puts him at odds with his family. Baker also becomes a staunch animal rights activist and goes on several missions with environmental themes. During his further adventures, he experiences glitches with his powers. He also begins experiencing evidence of his existence within a comic book, although he does not immediately understand them for what they are. He is targeted for murder by a mysterious organization upset with his environmental work and must face the new Mirror Master. Baker is also pursued by Dr. James Highwater, a physicist with no memory of any prior existence and seemingly no purpose other than to contact Baker. A parallel story involves a pair of yellow aliens, described as agents of some unspecified higher power, that engineered the spaceship wreck that granted them his powers, who are aware of the events of the crisis and monitor Baker's actions. They are aware of a second crisis coming, which they believe that only Animal Man can avert. They reconcile the two variations of Animal Man's origin through an unexplained surgery that also extends his abilities. Elsewhere, in Arkham Asylum, the psycho pirate, aware of his continuity and his fictional environment, opens a gateway into the real world and other comic book realities and begins bringing several characters no longer continually in existence. Baker is demoralized, however, when firefighters are injured in a laboratory blaze started by activists that he was working with. He is approached by Highwater just as he decides to give up his costume identity. While away in a vision quest with the Doctor, in which he learns the true nature of his powers and briefly sees the comic's reader, Baker's family is brutally murdered by an assassin sent by the corporate head seeking to stop his environmental work. With the help of the Mirror Master, who had turned down the hit, Baker tracks down the businessmen and assassin and kills them. While trying to undo his family's death with a time machine, Baker accidentally becomes warped through time and meets the Phantom Stranger, Jason Blood, and the Immortal Man in the 1960s, who help him learn to accept his grief. Baker is then contacted by the aliens and taken to Arkham, where he stops the Psycho Pirate and prevents damage to the continuity. Baker is transported to Limbo and encounters several comic book characters who are not being used in stories. Ultimately, Baker encounters his own writer, Grant Morrison himself, and the two share a conversation on the relationship between the creator and the fictional characters whose lives he writes. After this encounter, Baker is sent back home to his family, and they are restored to life. It is left ambiguous as to whether or not Baker remembers the full nature of these events. Next, after falling into a coma, Buddy finds himself in a strange alternative reality, which he correctly deduces is a divergent phase of existence, and is then able to return home. Having since left the Justice League, Baker resumes his stunt work career. He also finds himself frequently displaying uncontrolled animalistic behavior. He is assaulted by a neighbor, Travis Cody, a burnout with a PhD in electronic engineering from MIT. Cody has deduced that Baker's powers have become skewed, and that unfocused usage of his abilities kills animals. After reaching an understanding, the two work together to measure and enhance Animal Man's powers. They are themselves targeted by a group of shamans, one of whom was present at Animal Man's origin, and who are aware of the yellow aliens and the writer. During this time, Baker's daughter Maxine begins demonstrating powers similar to his own, and is able to communicate with the head shaman, who is attempting to bring Baker to him. Star Labs again contacts Baker, offering a position as their spokesman on environmentalism, and he declines. After an accident in which Baker kills the entire population of the San Diego Zoo, his wife takes her daughter to live with her mother in Vermont to avoid the media attention. Baker descends into depression and his son runs away, eventually ending up with an uncle, a lecherous predator. Baker goes to Vermont as well, where he finally meets the shaman. Meanwhile, Cody has been hired by Star Labs for his expertise, and while there he uncovers a conspiracy involving one of the shamans, who is mentally trapped in cyberspace. 
Baker continued to split his time between his family, his career as Animal Man, and regular stunt work for films. He occasionally lent his talents to various superhero groups, including the Justice League of America and the Forgotten Heroes, and played a prominent role in the Swamp Thing's task force known as the Totems. Marking the reappearance of Buddy in costume and heralded as his return to the mainstream DC Universe, although his vertical appearances were clearly meant to take place inside the DCU as well, he subsequently appeared alongside Aquaman, Hawkman, and the Resurrection Man in Justice League of America number 27, but he officially joins the League to battle a rampaging Amazo in the Florida Everglades. However, since Amazo was able to mimic the powers of any and all members of the League, they were only able to defeat Amazo by disbanding the group. Buddy does not stay for the reorganization. During a JLA crossover event, Animal Man's expertise in the morphogenic field assists the League. Animal Man also makes an appearance in the Identity Crisis storyline limited series, helping to search for the murderer of Sue Dibney. Buddy kept out of the spotlight during the OMAG project when that was happening, and was very devastated when he heard the news that his good friend Rocket Red the Seventh was killed by the OMAX in Moscow. The two of them had been good friends since the JLE back in the 80s. They both had families and got along quite well in the Justice League Europe. After encountering danger signs from the animal world, Animal Man is recruited by Donna Troy as part of a team journeying to New Kronos to stop the Infinite Crisis, mirroring his role in Christ on Infinite Earths, in which he journeyed into space with the Forgotten Heroes on Brainiac's ship. During this adventure, he formed a mentoring friendship with the new Firestorm, Jason Rush. Due to a malfunction of the Zeta Beam, which Adam Strange deploys to return the team to Earth, Animal Man along with most of the heroes go missing after Infinite Crisis. Eventually, some of the heroes are recovered, but Animal Man, Adam Strange, and Starfire are still missing. They become core East Coast members of the DC's weekly series, 52. In 52, Animal Man, Starfire, and Adam Strange are stranded on an alien planet. The trio escape but are pursued by bounty hunters. They are joined by Lobo in issue number 36. During a battle with Lady Styx in her horde, Animal Man is killed by a necrotoxin, which causes its victims to rise again in the service of Lady Styx. Animal Man makes Starfire promise not to let him come back as a zombie. He gestures to the reader, saying, Look, they're cheering us on. I told you the universe likes me. At the moment of his death, Ellen, still on Earth, senses that he has died and begins to cry. Later in issue number 37, moments after Starfire and Adam Strange leave Animal Man in space, Buddy returns to life. The aliens who originally granted him his power stand next to him, saying, And so it begins. After plucking him out of the time stream and repairing his body, they leave him in outer space. Animal Man must reach out to another life form in order to survive and claims the abilities of a group of sun eaters, including their homing sense. He observes his wife from a wormhole in space provided by the aliens, only to discover that Ellen is seeing another man, though it is later revealed she only reluctantly went out with one of Buddy's friends. Buddy returns to Earth, describing the marvels of space to his delighted family. Ellen throws a party to celebrate his return, but some followers of Lady Styx appear bent upon killing the family. They are eliminated by Starfire, who has only partially recovered from wounds suffered in space. She delivers Buddy's jacket and faints from weakness, and surprise when she sees him alive, leaving the family to care for her. Animal Man, joined by Adam Strange and Starfire in the series titled Countdown to Adventure, written by Adam Beechin. The first issue reveals that his family has been caring for Starfire, who still has not regained her powers. But he convinces Ellen to let Starfire stay and act as a nanny to his two children. When a strange form of madness infects the people of San Diego, he and Starfire team up to stop it. Buddy's closeness to Starfire has made Ellen disgruntled, thinking that Buddy's in love with her. Buddy's powers have been in a state of flux, not working at all at some times, and manifesting strange abilities at others, such as creating a whirlwind or firing energy beams. Once their extraterrestrial trip is done, Starfire leaves the Baker home, telling them that they will always be in her heart. In Just League of America number 25, Buddy is drawn into Vixen's animal totem and captured by the trickster god, Anansi, who claims to be the one who gave Buddy his powers, having disguised himself as the aliens, 
whilst reminding Vixen and Buddy that he constantly lies. Anansi also mentions that Buddy's new powers were a side effect of his manipulation of Earth's morphogenic field. After escaping the totem and defeating Anansi, Animal Man went back to the Justice League of America headquarters to thank the JLA for their aid. The Black Canary and Wonder Woman told Buddy that there is a seat for him in the JLA, but Buddy declined, choosing to focus on his family and remain a part-timer. Buddy used the JLA teleporter to return home to his wife and kids in San Diego. Buddy appears in the second half of writer James Robinson's miniseries event Justice League Cry for Justice. While he and his family are entertaining Starfire and Donna Troy, Buddy's approached by Miguel Thomas and Kong Gorilla, who ask him for help in tracking down the supervillain Prometheus. He accompanies them to the JLA Watchtower to seek help from the Justice League, and is present when the Red Arrow is mauled by an unknown attacker. While searching for the Red Arrow's assailant, Buddy is assaulted and brutally injured by Freddie Freeman, who ultimately turns out to be Prometheus in disguise. During the finale, Buddy is seen helping Starfire and Firestorm rescue survivors after Star City is destroyed by Prometheus. During the Blackest Night event, Necron, the Lord of the Dead, reveals that all those who had returned from the dead, such as Buddy, were allowed to do so in order to become his inside agents. A black power ring attached itself to Buddy, cancelling out his resurrection and transforming him into a black lantern. In the final battle, Animal Man is freed from the power of white light. Following the events of Blackest Night, Buddy helps Starman and Kongorilla during their search for the Fountain of Youth, using his abilities to help translate for Rex the Wonder Dog. Buddy is later revealed to be a member of the Justice League of America's reserve team, and joins the League during their battle against Eclipso. Shortly after joining the battle, Buddy and his teammates are possessed by Eclipso. The reserve JLA members are all freed after Eclipso is defeated. When DC shifted his continuity once again during DC The New 52, Buddy underwent another transformation. After the Avatar of the Red was killed by Anton Arcane, the totems of the Parliament of Limbs decided that they could follow the example of the Green in using an interim Avatar. Their next most likely candidate for an Avatar had not even been conceived yet, so one among them suggested they use the Tailors to imbue her father, Buddy Baker, with the Red's power in order to protect her until she was ready to take on the role herself. In order to help Buddy understand what would be happening to him, the Totems invented a scenario in which he would discover a crash hailing spaceship and be given powers by the surviving inhabitants, the Tailors. His power were not the full strength of the Red, as he was only meant to be a temporary avatar, but he used them to act as a superhero from that day forward. Within six months of encountering the spaceship, Buddy's wife Ellen became pregnant with their daughter, and avatar-to-be, Maxine. In the five years since getting his powers, Buddy spent his time raising his children, fighting for animal rights, and taking the occasional acting gig, the most significant of which was the lead role in an independent film called Tights, about a washed-up superhero. One night, Buddy was troubled by a nightmare in which his daughter Maxine murdered his son Cliff under the influence of three monsters called the Hunters Three, who represented the rot inside the red. When he awoke, he learned that his daughter had got up in the middle of the night and used hitherto unknown powers to reanimate the corpses of the neighborhood's dead pets. Seeing her, Buddy's body was suddenly covered with vein-like pattern, and Maxine suggested that it would not go away until he entered the Red, which he had never even heard of. The design was a map. Maxine's apparent connection to Buddy's powers upset her mother greatly, while elsewhere the Hunters Three appeared and began their search for the Avatar of the Red. Buddy and Maxine entered the Red together and encountered the totems of the Parliament of Limbs. They explained the truth that Buddy was not the Avatar of the Red, and he'd only been meant to protect Maxine until she was ready to face the threat of the Rot. Before he could come to terms with this news, Buddy was attacked by two of the Hunters Three there in the heart of the Red. He was injured, and it fell to Maxine to send the Hunters away and heal her father, after which the Totems explained that the Hunters Three were once Totems themselves, having been corrupted by the Rot. The Parliament offered one of their own, Ignatius, to help Buddy protect Maxine in the form of a house cat, while urging Buddy to seek help against the Rot from Swamp Thing, the Avatar of the Green. Buddy, Maxine, and Ignatius, whom Maxine renamed Socks, 
found that their house in San Diego had been attacked by the third hunter in their absence and learned that Ellen and Cliff tried to escape to Sacramento, where Ellen's mother Mary kept a farm. Once there, Buddy abandoned Maxine with her grandmother to find Ellen and Cliff, who were still under attack. After getting them to safety, he was again overpowered and required Maxine's help. She sent the animals of the forest to help him, but in consuming the hunter, they became infected by the rot, and in that way, the rot began to spread throughout the world. An alliance with the Swamp Thing would be their only hope. So the Bakers, Mary, and Sox packed up into an RV and headed cross-country to find the Avatar of the Green. On their cross-country road trip, the family stopped by for some food and to charge Cliff's phone. After using his fame to impress some girls on Cliff's behalf, Buddy fell asleep in the RV and had a terrible nightmare of a future of only rot. Waking, he found the vehicle surrounded by rot-infected animals. Maxine ran out to face them and was ripped to pieces, to Buddy's horror, and he killed all of the creatures in a rage, only for Maxine to emerge unharmed from the bushes, having used her powers to survive. Relieved, Buddy went into a nearby town to help fight off the rot there, only to be killed himself, leaving Maxine without a protector. In death, Buddy re-entered the Red. There he met a creature called Shepard, who had helped him get an audience with the totems. Meanwhile, the hunter controlling a physical body planned to lure and capture Maxine with that familiar form. The Tones were not pleased with Buddy for his failure and would not have let him stay dead if not for the need of a protector. Reluctantly, they allowed him a second chance. The Taylors gave him a stronger connection to the Red this time, and then he was forced to jump from tiny life form to life form until he returned to his human body and find the hunters who had kidnapped Cliff in the interim. He rescued Cliff, but the boy seemed to have been infected and woozily warmed of the coming of the Rot's avatar, Anton Arcane. Leaving a sick cliff with his grandmother, Buddy, Ellen, and Maxine were led through the Louisiana swamp by Sox the Cat, who could sense the Swamp Thing's location. They found him standing over a portal into the rot, and after telling his story, Buddy explained that he and Swamp Thing would have to enter the rot in order to stop its spread. They abandoned their loved ones to leap into the portal. Once inside, Buddy found that his powers were absent, but the rotlings and unmen they fought there were suspiciously weak as they went deeper and deeper. They soon discovered that they had fallen into a trap set by Anton Arcane. Before Arcane cut the Swamp Thing's tether back to Earth, he managed to send a message to Abby Arcane indicating their failure. Arcane explained that the Rot had forced the Green to resurrect Al Colwyn from death, which set a precedent that allowed the Rot to bring Arcane himself back and increase its power. Gleefully, he returned them to the physical world where they learned that they had been gone an entire year and the Rot had consumed every aspect of both Red and Green at that time. Buddy found himself in San Diego, far from where he'd left his family, but the entire city seemed to be overtaken by the rot in any case. Unable to sense the red, but faintly, he wandered until he was attacked by a rot-infected Hawkman. He was rescued by a band of survivors, each of whom had some slight connection to the red. When they learned his identity, they took him to their base, a place called the Red Kingdom, where the last vestiges of the red's power had built a fortress for itself from the bodies of the totems of the Parliament of Limbs. There he learned from John Constantine that his daughter Maxine had been too weak to fend off the rot in her father's absence. The rot had already won. Having been split up since their return to the physical world, Constantine suggested that Buddy tried to reunite with the Swamp Thing. The survivors left the Red Kingdom under Shepard's protection, and while passing through Central City were attacked by Grodd. Fortunately, Frankenstein came to the rescue with his patchwork army. From him, Buddy learned of a prisoner being kept beneath Metropolis, hoping it might be Superman, so he joined them and led them there. They were surprised to find elements of the green in the city, and more surprised to learn that the prisoner was the Green Lantern, Medfil. Medfil was trapped there by Blackbriar Thorn and the servants of our king. After defeating Thorn and freeing Medville, the Lantern used his power to thin the rot herd enough for the heroes to move on, only to discover that Arcane was protecting his stronghold with the full force of the rot-infected Justice League. Still, Buddy could sense that his daughter Maxine was somewhere within the fortress. 
Fortunately, as his party converged on the fortress, the Swamp Thing arrived on the other side with his own party of followers. In the battle, though, Medfil was killed, and his Green Lantern ring chose Frankenstein as his next wearer, giving him the power to cut a path for Buddy to reunite with Swamp Thing. Arcane's response was then to reveal how he had captured and corrupted both Maxine and Abby in horrific ways, and turned them on their loved ones. Buddy learned that Maxine had joined the route willingly, thinking that she could save her family by doing so. Spurred by their righteous anger, Buddy and Swamp Thing beat Arcane back, forcing him to retreat into death. They followed at the urging of the hitherto unknown Parliament of Decay. Buddy emerged back a year earlier next to the abandoned family RV. He used his animal abilities to track his daughter and found her preparing to give herself over to the remaining two of the hunters, three, and William Arcane. When she saw him alive, she escaped their grasp and used Sock's instructions to transform the hunters back into their former selves through the red. Though all seemed well, William Arcane managed to stab Cliff in the chest, killing him, but making him the hero he could never be. Anguished by her son's death and feeling justified in always having disliked the danger Buddy's superheroism brought to her family, Ellen decided she could no longer see him and took Maxine in her own care, leaving Buddy to deal with his grief alone. He visited the totems, then demanding that they take the burden of the Red away from his family, but they responded angrily, instead only severing his connection to the Red and banishing him from his kingdom. Despite grieving for the death of his son, the loss of his power, and his estrangement from his wife and daughter, Buddy received good news from his agent, Roger, that he'd been nominated in the Academy Awards Best Actor category for his leading role in the indie film, Tights. Naturally, he was unable to enjoy his success. Rather than take Roger's advice to get back to work on acting, Buddy got back to work playing superhero in the animal rights area, looking into a series of pet abductions. Unfortunately, this plane was hampered somewhat by his growing celebrity. He tracked down one of the missing pets to a warehouse where he discovered that all of the animals had been killed, victims of a horrible, inhumane experiments. Worse, the only one responsible for these experiments had grafted the animal's body parts onto his own body. Defeating the villain, Buddy would eventually reconcile with his family and return to a life of heroism. In 2017, after the events changed in the series DC Rebirth, it was revealed that Animal Man will be a reserve member of the Justice League, joining them on many adventures, and was most recently seen assisting the Justice League Dark, fighting off a battle of the Rot army controlled by Anton Arcane. A champion of man and beast alike, it's only a matter of time before Buddy Baker returns to the spotlight as a hero for those in the animal kingdom big and small. was the history of Animal Man, Buddy Baker, one of my favorite heroes, and I really hope that he gets, you know, reused again sometime in the near future in a fun way. It seems like every few years, eventually they bring him back and do something fun with him. I would really like to see that again, especially DC Comics' sort of black label becoming very prominent. They're sort of a um, new version of Vertigo, I believe. So it'd be really cool to see him do something with that, and I hope to see that happen in the future. Um, the, all that future stuff, uh, not future, but all the stuff that came... Uh, well, when talking about sort of what happened after the New 52 with uh, with the Rot and all that stuff, uh, it was all written by Jeff Lemire, who's a really awesome Canadian writer. I'm a, I was a huge fan of what he'd done in the book, and I'd love to see more of that, as well as maybe some, you know, nods to the old stuff as well. So uh, a lot of fun there, and I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed it bringing it to you. Now next week, uh, I was kind of neglecting DC lately, so I thought I'd do two DCs in a row. Next week I'm going to do the DC hero Black Lightning, who has a... A show in the Arrowverse on CW, uh, which I believe does fairly well. I think it's on Netflix as well, if you you follow your content that way. I kind of gave up on the CW shows a long time ago. I used to watch Arrow but and The Flash, but it got to a point that I just wasn't enjoying it. So I had to give it up. I had to let it go. And I hear it's doing well. 
and I wish it all the best. However, Black Lightning's always been a fun character that I've appreciated in the DC Comics universe proper, and I'm excited to learn his history along with you next week. So tune in then to learn about Black Lightning. But in the meantime, I hope you are doing well. I hope my friends in the United States are doing okay. Uh, I Right now, as I'm recording this, it's still unsure as to who your president is going to be. It's kind of looking like Biden, but... Who knows? So uh, we will see, and uh, and I hope you are all doing okay. And I hope it, your country doesn't descend into some horrible uh, civil war. <laughs> I really don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. I mean, it happened before. So anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Andre Might. It's been a real pleasure, and I hope you have a wonderful week. And I will see you soon.